Welcome to Backstory Podcast, where we dissect engaging story from the ground up and take a deep dive every Sunday night into the writing process from the vantage point of narrative history. Each week, we delve into the nuts and bolts of what makes for absorbing and thought-provoking reading, listening, and viewing when it comes to the written word, and we're so glad you're here to join us. Tonight, we'll be touching again on the subject of articulation in Deborah Feldman's third installment memoir, Exodus Revisited, and we'll be diving into an analysis of the end of that work. Of note in tonight's reading is that Feldman's memoir trilogy is viewed as highly contentious in the Jewish community. We'll be looking at the revisiting process in writing and how the crucial act of being heard can be the ultimate form of life-giving validation, even when we might not understand or agree with one another. Let's tune in now as I read from our recent backstory blog post titled, You're Still Reading That? Well, it happened. In Exodus Revisited, Deborah Feldman revisited the most sensational aspects of her three-part memoir series. This time, however, the narrative history aspects came first, overshadowing the shock and awe factor of the externals. This time, after marinating in the tabloids for a considerable time, and the crucible of the community, Feldman gives a decidedly different viewpoint on the events at hand. We still hear the common thread of intense anxiety crossing the line into panic attack. And we still hear concise details about immediate surroundings and the visual draw factor. What we hear more about this time is Feldman's emotional experience. We hear about her experience as she's living it. But this time, we hear her voice in our heads, much the same way as she did. Or, I should say, that is how it is written in Revisited. And that brings me to the subject of articulation and the idea of conscious versus unconscious forms that make their way into articulation in the writing process. For more on this subject in relation to Exodus Revisited, See Backstory Podcast, episode number three. By Revisited, Feldman has had a considerable amount of time to revisit what she initially put on the page, thereby bouncing between conscious and unconscious mind. Feldman does more than bounce. She perches at the crossroads of decision and hindsight and speaks to both sides of consciousness. In Revisited, Feldman has carefully considered what was going through her mind on a conscious level, what she feels she was aware of during particular events. Feldman has the unenviable benefit of crisscrossing a spectrum of articulation that carries her from pre-conscious to print and back again to examine pre-verbalizations and to ponder the reactions and responses of her readers. Perhaps most important for Feldman is the post-print opportunity 
to mine the depths of her initial awareness and examine her choices in light of pre-verbalizations that are characterized by already having been set to print. Feldman seizes upon this opportunity in a way I have seen very few people do. She re-examines the printed page from a curious place of burgeoning humility that belies the internal growth of her resolve. Whereas mirrored revulsion on the part of her audience might serve to paralyze anyone else, Feldman plumbs the depths of her choices to unearth a network of new growth previously dormant. While she consistently emphasizes her survivor status, it is as if her resolve to live is stronger than her will to survive. Feldman is saying to us in so many words that she would like us to revisit what for most is a very distasteful event in her story and that she wants to take us there with her, but this time she wants us within her mind, accompanying her internal struggle to face her terrors. For all of our loathing and disgust, we are yet hard-pressed and challenged to dig deep within ourselves and tap into the wellspring of our own humanity. And with our own humanity comes the question of facing our own frailties. So often, when the horrors of the Holocaust come up in conversation, people will say to one another, Not one of us knows what we would have done to survive if we were in that situation. The implication being for us to refrain from condemning judgment. Feldman asks us to revisit what is not only distasteful, but horrifying. She has chosen to confront her terror in a most unsettling way. She is navigating unthinkable territory, while attempting to purge her subconscious of a never-ending and haunting mortal nightmare. Will we go there with her? Will we shoulder her burdens to make them lighter? That question is entirely separate from the innate subject of Jewish continuity, a narrative subtext to Feldman's memoir trilogy. To soften toward Feldman is to embrace wayward rebellion and the dissolution of the Jewish people. What is left unsaid is that Feldman could conceive. And then what? Feldman's detractors would say that she has committed the ultimate Chilul Hashem, desecration of the Almighty's name, and that she should not be heard. She should not be given an ear. The problem with that stance is that people are dying without an ear. From observant communities are being hit hard with previously unknown levels of drug overdose. While Feldman is losing her dignity, bringing disgrace, and potentially forfeiting her future generations, people who are not leaving are trying to escape their pain and losing their lives in the process. Those in their wake face enormous devastation. Feldman's personal struggle is not essentially unique. How and whether to stay in a circumscribed box without being heard when things are not okay on a fundamental level. Orthodox Judaism does not have a corner market on such a dilemma. 
which layer of articulation deserves to be heard. The most sensational acts with the widest ramifications or the perpetually in-progress semi-formed layer of an internal cry of pain and confusion. Feldman refutes despair. She lays hold of her internal cry and wrests from it a semblance of order. She milks from it the workings of reason and sanity. Where others have shrunk back when faced with an abyss, she has pressed forward to glean from and nurture self-awareness and self-understanding. Some of her steps may be foreign and terrifying, and asking us to take them with her impossible. But in the end, her choices and decisions are truly her own. We are not crossing the lines she crossed. Walking in her shoes, if only for a moment by accompanying her in her head, is salvific. That is, if we choose to hear and be present to our own inadequacies and human frailties. Thank you, Mom. This has been an intriguing look into the subject of narrative history and articulation in the writing process. We're so happy to have our audience join us. Be sure to visit us at www.danaisrael.com, where our site is under construction and you can view the latest in the Backstory blog and listen to our growing catalog of Backstory podcast episodes. Be sure to consider becoming a participating member of the Backstory Readers Club coming in July at www.danaisrael.com. Join us next Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for yet another fascinating and fabulous deep dive into the exciting world of backstory. Goodbye for now and see you next week.